and welcome to my series of conversations with stalwarts of music. Today's episode is being partnered by Perpetual Buzz Experiences. It's an artist representation company with three very basic but lofty goals. They're the launchpad for indie musicians, helping them leverage success in the best possible manner. And they make sure that people have a good time in the process. They also help generate funding for a lot of social causes and make sure the process is smooth. Do check them out on www.perpetualbuzz.com. We have yet another podcast partner, which is Wire Up Music Store, which is a music retail store with state-of-art equipment, your one-stop solution for musical gear, ranging from guitars to ukulele, percussive instruments to classical instruments. Do check them out on Instagram. They go by the handle at the rate wireup.india. Our guest on Stalwarts of Music is one of the most innovative singer-songwriters, Mutlu. He's an exquisite singer, composer, songwriter, and in, 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 in a matter of time, he's sort of got global recognition as one of the most original and formidable voices with a Philly soul style, having elements of folk, reggae, and rock music. He stored extensively with the legendary duo, my favorite musicians of all time, Hall and & Oates. And he's also featured on the popular live show, which is Daryl's House Club. If you haven't checked it out, be sure to check it out. They have some of the best musical content available online. And he's also had a long-term association with the noted singer-songwriter Amos Lee. And he shared stages with the likes of Adele, Leon Russell, and many more. So without any further ado, I'm delighted to welcome my guest for today, Mutlu. He'll be joining us in a few. Hi, Mutlu, how are you? Which part of the world Good, are you, you doing, right man? now? Very <laughs> well, very well. It's, it's, it's eve of Diwali here in India. So there's a lot of uh, festivities around here and we have cra- crackers bursting uh, in the neighborhood. <laughs> So yeah, nice. it's, it's a fun festive affair in all of India. So it's ten o'clock for you there, right? You're that's about, right. That's right. Nine and a half hours ahead of us, I guess. That's right. That's right. How are you? Which yeah. part of the world are you in right now? What are you up to? I'm in Philadelphia. Uh, that's where I'm based, and uh, mm-hmm. you know I'm on the road a good amount, but this has always been kind of my my home base, so to speak. Oh, lovely. And and you are uh, gearing up for a tour with Amos Lee, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, I'm getting ready to do a few shows with him about a week or so from now Lovely. Uh, uh, in Tennessee, which is kind of in the southern part of the country, uh, mm-hmm. a place called the Caverns in, in Pelham, Tennessee, which is a crazy, un- it's like an underground venue. Ooh, uh, wow. If you get a chance, check it out. And then a couple of theaters, uh, really nice historic kind of theaters in Birmingham, mm-hmm. Alabama and New Orleans. So it's always great to work with him and get out and do some shows with him. So I'm excited for that. Incredible. Incredible. We'll learn more. Uh, throughout this interview, I have some questions uh, related to your tour and your time with Amos Lee. So we'll get to that. But before that, uh, let's get started with our agenda for today. Uh, and I have a couple of interesting questions coming your way. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I'd like to know your earliest musical memory, firstly, and how were you introduced to music? I think my earliest musical memory that I, I, there's probably more beyond this that I just aren't in my memory bank, Mm -hmm. but I think listening to a classical piece of music that my, uh, a classical piece that my parents had, Rachmaninoff's third piano concerto. Oh, wow. And I I was pretty young. They had it on vinyl. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing that and uh, it's a beautiful piece. And I just remember being blown away. And I think I always had a sense that I could sing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really tap into it until later. And then I played violin when I was a kid uh, as well. So my parents, Amazing. I wasn't that into it, but my parents like made me take a violin lessons. And I'm glad they did because I think it helped me in my ear. But I think the, the first memory I have is, is hearing Rachmaninoff's uh, third piano concerto. I remember looking at the vinyl and just hearing that music and it kind of blew me away. Incredible. So why didn't you why didn't you pursue playing the violin? I I've not seen videos of you online playing the violin and singing. Why, why didn't you try that? 
you know, at that time I was, you know, I was a kid, I was more into like sports, okay. you know, playing baseball and basketball and things like that. Right. And I think deep down I enjoyed it, but I kind of resisted it because my parents like, wanted me to do it. Right. Uh, but I think I did enjoy it. I, 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 I did the Suzuki method, which is all by ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think without really realizing it, being conscious of it at the time, it kind of tuned my musical sort of uh, abilities in some way without realizing it. You know, if you kind of, if you, if you get introduced to an instrument at a young age, I think it really helped your progression, but I wasn't consciously thinking of it that way. And in retrospect, I wish I'd stuck with it, but uh, eventually I kind of shifted to the guitar later on. Uh, from what I understand, you were mostly self-taught. There's been a little bit of learning, like you've taken up lessons, but you're mostly self-taught. Yeah, that's right. I uh, I didn't start till late, late, maybe uh, my second to last year of high school, something like that. A friend of mine had a guitar, had a guitar, mm-hmm. and he would play kind of in between classes, and uh, he right. showed me a few chords, and then I kind of got hooked on it. But uh, yeah, I had a couple friends that taught me some chords and things like that, but mostly I just learned by ear mm-hmm. or playing along with other records. That's always a good way to, to kind of learn. Got it. Got it. So let's talk talk about the role of art in general. Uh, to what degree do you think that art and your work needs this whole process of clarification, verbalizing, and critiquing? Are you sometimes frustrated that you know that you're into this wonderful, ecstatic process of communicating through your music as a medium, and someone wants to talk about it? So could you could you describe that to us? Well, actually, I think I love that part of it. Uh, maybe not always. Okay, there's there's kind of two branches of that. Right. Uh, because there's harsh music criticism, like there are some journalists out there mm-hmm. who can be mean-spirited in the way they right. uh, review or critique artists. And that can be tough for any artist. I think any artist that's experienced that, it's hard because it, you're in a vulnerable state when you create and you put something out in the world. And all artists, whether they admit it or not, are looking for some kind of validation. So, so yeah, that part of it can be can be tough, but I'm a big fan of uh, music conversation in the sense or trying to tap into the magic. And I'll just make a brief mention here. I also co-host a podcast. I've been doing it for about two years. Oh, wow. It's a music podcast. So, so I'm in that mode of doing that as well. Right. And I think your listeners enjoy it. It's called the Carl Landry Record Club Podcast. Okay. My host is, uh, co-host is Spike Eskin. He's been in broadcasting and podcasting for a long time. Our producers Molly Doan, two very talented people, and our 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 thing is uh, is different than this. We take two albums each week, oh, and we wow. try to do an in depth sort of deep dive mm-hmm. conversation about those albums. We also have guests on from time to time. Okay, uh, so I actually think it's a very valuable thing. In the process of doing the podcast, it's opened me up to different records uh, I never heard before. Each week, we take a listener suggestion, mm-hmm. and uh, y- you know, so I, I think it's valuable. I think it's necessary because, like you said, it's about communication. Right. Uh, and I think the, one of the best parts of music, well, there's two things. It's about community sure. and it's about the, the joy of uh, learn, hearing about new artists or hearing new music and making and connecting to people through that medium, uh, which is what you're doing. I mean, look, we're, yeah. you know, we're halfway around the world from each other, but we're connecting right. to each other right. because of our love of music. So I think it's a I think it's a powerful thing, as long as it's not mean spirited mm-hmm. and sort of punching down on something. If it's about the joy of sharing or just trying to analyze and unlock the magic of something i think that's a beautiful thing lovely uh you did mention that you have your own podcast so do you do something like you interact with the musicians and do you also engage with them musically do you also like invite them on your show for like a musical get together of sorts yeah not every episode but we've had a significant number of guests our core concept is like the record club concept like i was uh, saying like sort of the it's like a book club, but except for records. So our, our primary approach is to take two albums, and dissect those albums and kind of do a deep dive into them. But we do have guests on from time to time. Sweet. And uh, I always love doing that, just hearing about uh, different different artists or songwriters. So what their approach is, right. what their experience is with touring. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot like what you're doing here. It's, it's, it's always interesting to get sort of some insight into another artist's uh, sort of experience. And sometimes because I'm out there doing it myself, I can... It actually helps make a stronger connection or helps me see things differently or that I can relate to these artists because maybe they've been through some of the same struggles I've been through. So, uh, yeah, I really love that part of it, too. We don't do as much in the way of interviews. Maybe we'll do more in time, but we've had we've done our share. Wonderful. I'd I'd love to sort of collaborate with you. 
yeah uh, now yeah that you, I should, know. you should you should come on with us sometime man we could yeah. uh we could yeah. uh, i think you'd really like spike he's a he's a great guy and he's been working in radio for years and years and years now he works in sports radio oh wow. uh, but before that he was in music radio he's been podcasting a long time we have a lot of fun and our producer molly dolan uh she's great too she works in the business she works at rhino records now in la Got it. Got uh sort it. of reissue company so yeah yeah we should uh, we should mix it up <laughs> No, it's damn interesting that we have people from three different parts of the world. So, in fact, my producer, Yashik, who is uh, helping me with his entire initiative, he's based out of Edinburgh, Edinburgh and I'm in oh, India, really? <laughs> and you are in another part of the world. And it's just insane that, you know, the, the role of technology uh, that's very pivotal in sort of connecting people from three different parts of the world. And, yeah, we, we, we've got our thing going. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you did mention about your songwriting, and I'm interested to know a little bit about that. So, to what degree do you think that you know, if if you have a particular idea in mind, right? So, you might have that particular motive or that whole idea in advance while writing a particular song, right? So that's how it starts. It starts with the idea, and you steer through. Uh, just like just like you're surfing right you get onto the surfboard and you let the wave take its course and take you wherever it goes does it work the same way for you in your songwriting process yeah that's that's a good way i've never thought of it that way but that's a good analogy for for songwriting right. i mean it can go any number of ways yeah sometimes the process can be maddening because uh, you maybe have an idea and you love this initial idea right but to bring it to completion sometimes Mm-hmm. can take a while or what happens with me sometimes i'll finish a song i'll test it out live but if i don't feel like it's quite connecting then i feel like i have to go back to the drawing board okay um, so and there's lots of different experiences there's some songs that come together quickly in like 15 yeah. 20 minutes so it almost feels like they write themselves i know i've heard other songwriters say that where somehow the magic just happens in that moment and i've experienced that both writing on my own and co-writing with people mm-hmm. but yeah sometimes you have to just like you said ride the wave uh, you got a hook that you like maybe, but perhaps there's something in the verse that you write that, that doesn't hold up for you. Then you got to go back, rewrite the verse. Then you realize, oh, maybe I should write a bridge for this song. Yeah. It's never a static or definitive process. It's always, I feel like each song is kind of its own jur- journey. And sometimes I find that it's, uh, it can be very frustrating when, yeah. when you don't feel like a song is coming to get the, together the way you want yeah. it to. Right, right. So, in, in in certain high pressure situations, uh, you know, if 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 you're sort of working under a label, there is this whole concept of delivering within a certain time frame, like within a stipulated right. time. So, how do you deal with uh, such stressful situations? Well, I've been through that. I was on a label. Uh, I did a for Manhattan Records, which was part of Blue Note Label Group and EMI at the time. Mm-hmm. Now it's owned by Universal, but uh, got it. I, I had that experience. I did an EP and album with them. Yeah. And I think sometimes that pressure can be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess it just depends on the situation. If as long as the people you're working with yeah. sort of respect and appreciate and understand what you're doing. Yeah. And if those deadlines are something that you feel will allow you to put the best, your best foot forward, it's great. Yeah. But I know I've heard of other situations, maybe not as much in my own experience, but sometimes with other situations where what you don't want to do is like rush something to where you put it out and you're not completely content with it like a year or two down the road. And I've, I'll be honest, I've even had that experience a few times mm-hmm. with some of my records. I think every writer, every artist does where you listen back a year or two later and like, ah, you know what, should have taken a little more time with that. I, we should have gone a little further in the production. So I think, I think it, on the one hand, the deadlines can be good. They can give you a sort of a framework to prepare yeah. and it's good to have goals, but just so long as it doesn't undercut the, the creative part of it. Got it. But is the intent of making a song or a record towards the audience standpoint, do you sort of bear that in mind and make your music or it's, it's just the idea and you just want to put it out, you want to make it complete? I think it's some combination of the two. I think first and foremost, it's a personal thing. Uh, because you're just trying to express something or communicate something, get it out of your system a little bit, or maybe you have an experience and you're trying to re- kind of reflect that in a song. So I think it always starts personal, but then once you 
get into writing something, if you write something that I think is really undeniable, you start to recognize that this is something that a lot of people could relate to. Right. And again, part of my process is with a lot of my songs, I won't record them right away. I'll kind of road test them. And uh, for example, I've had a song I've been playing the last few weeks that I'm probably going to record as a single. Uh, you know, at some point, I haven't set plan for it yet, but like on the road, I've played it and it's gotten a good reaction. So I feel like that song has held up. But then, you know, not not every song does that. And I do think that human connection of being in a room and playing it to people, mm-hmm. that kind of gives you a little more insight into if this thing is really connecting with people or not. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's some com- combination too, very personal, but there's the human connection of it and the feedback, which I think we all want, you know, in some shape or form. Uh, based on your last album you know it's pretty remarkable to listen to the uh, incredible group that you put together uh, for your last album you had uh, Darius on ele- electric guitar keys and bass and you had Zach Michelle on drums so how did you choose this particular group what prompted you f- uh, towards getting and working with these set of musicians in particular Well, uh, Darius, Darius Amendola, he had worked with me on my previous two EPs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he's actually, see, I'm up in Philly. He's down in Florida. Okay. So it's kind of fun to be able to go down there and right. uh, sort of get out of my normal environment and create. Yeah. So we'd really built up this nice collaboration. And a lot of the record was the two of us. Right. Uh, you know, he plays multi-instruments, but we really sort of mapped out each song, you know, section by section within the arrangement. We were pretty meticulous with the pre-production. and So in a way, it wasn't, I've had the experience with other records where you, you put musicians in a room and you play, and that can be special too, but this was kind of the opposite. Of, this was like building it brick by brick with right. Darius and I. Once we fleshed everything out, you know, had the vocals, we like, then we brought in uh, Darius's friend Zach to play drums, but he kind of added those drums yeah. sort of after the fact. Uh, so it was, it, that's kind of the process that I've worked in for the most part. And I enjoy it that way. The one song that wasn't recorded that way is uh, Nothing in This Whole Wide World. That's a song I co-wrote with John Notes. John, and yeah, yeah. I have, I, have, I have that question coming up. Right on, right on. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell us, about, tell, tell us a lot more about it. But before yeah, we get so, to that, yeah, please go on. Yeah. yeah, I'll let you go on. We'll get to it. Because that's kind of, that, those song, that song coexists with the other songs on the record. Right, right. But it was made in a very different kind of way. But we'll get to that in good time. Uh so speaking of the album I'd like to take this sequentially right so the album yeah. opens up with a really uplifting track called Lifeline so could you start with that could you tell us a little bit about how you went about making this particular song that one I wrote without any instrumentation mm-hmm. uh I just wrote it kind of like banging on a table and keeping right. a beat mm-hmm. and just pretty much wrote it a cappella Okay. And there was a very specific source of inspiration for that song. It was kind of inspired by uh John Lewis, who was a uh longtime Georgia congressman, a congressman from Georgia here in the states and he was also a civil rights hero. Oh, and wow. I just been reading about his life. I was really inspired by him and the message and despite everything he'd been he'd been through there was always this message of sort of positivity and connection and being beyond political division, which is rare in this in this day and age. And so I was inspired by John Lewis And uh and that one just kind of came together a cappella with a beat. Mm-hmm. And it was almost yeah. like when we went in the studio, right. we had to work backwards from the most skeletal version of it to try to figure out where to add the sounds because it was pretty much vocal and beat. Right. And uh, that was kind of the genesis of, of that one. Lovely. Honestly, it's it's such an incredible record that you put together. You know, I've been uh riding a bicycle around and uh listening to nothing in this whole wide world on repeat because <laughs> right Hall on. and Oates speaking of Hall and Oates they are my favorite artists I've been chasing them till this very day to get them on my show but they've been super busy so I've not been able to get get them on the show as yet but speaking of the song you know let's let's talk a little bit about the appeal of this particular song it, it must have definitely been a de- dream come true for you to have worked with John Oates singing those lovely harmonies on this particular song could you could you tell us a little more yeah well that you know that was a long time coming because uh by that point in time i'd already toured a good amount with hall notes like i i guess i first connected with them 2007 2008 something like that okay so over the years i've you know had this great honor and privilege to tour with them as their opening act across the states 
a uh, good number of dates. And over the course of, of doing the shows with them, and also I was one of the first guests on Daryl's show, right. uh, live from Daryl's house, uh, yeah. you know, I got to know them. And at various points in time, John and I talked about writing a song together, uh, right. but we didn't get right to it right away. You know, a number of years passed. I did some shows with them. Uh, I even like with John on some of his solo shows, I opened up and I would go up and sing with him, but we, we never got around to actually writing a song. So eventually we found a time and I was in Nashville and I went to this place and we wrote this song and we had like a very clear vision of the kind of song we wanted to write. It was right. kind of a homage to the seventies Philly soul sound, which is what yeah. Daryl and John came up with all those great artists, uh, right. Gamble and Huff and Tom Bell, they knew everybody. Right. And we kind of wanted to pay homage to a song that maybe the spinners would have done, but kind of put our own, yeah. unique contemporary spin on it so we had this clear vision we wrote the tune just two of us you know guitars and, and singing and then uh then he had an idea of how we wanted to produce it he brought in shane terrio who's the guitarist in hall and oats band and brian dunn and clyde jones the drummer bass in hall and oats band right. and we just put it together we did tracking in brooklyn now that's what i was talking about whereas with the rest of the songs on the record we built it up brick by brick with a lot of overdub and, lay and layering the track that you hear that one is is Shane Clyde and Brian Dunn and also this guy Henry Hay playing keys all in the room together. Okay. So I just did a bunch of vocal takes. They would track it. The core track was the sound of those incredible musicians playing in the room. And then later John and I went and we put the vocals together. He did, you know, we did all these uh, background arrangements and it was really just fun to work with him in the studio. Cause again, I'd worked with him on the road for years and just like, I mean, they're among my musical heroes. I mean, to, Yep. I would put them right at the top of the list of my musical heroes to get to work with your heroes is just an amazing experience. But even though I'd work with him a lot on the road, we'd never done anything in the studio. And it was great just having him on the other side of the booth, kind of encouraging me and trying to get the best performance out of me. So it was, I think it's reflective. We just had a lot of fun making that song. And uh, it was cool at the end of the day that it coexisted on the same record with the songs we did with Darius, even though it was recorded in a very different way. Uh, but but from what I noticed, there's been like there's been a halt in terms of new music coming out, right? Uh, after 2019, you've you've sort of taken a break. So what's what's going on? Like, are we uh, going to hear something new in the next couple of months? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know what's happened is well, part of it was the pandemic kind of derailed things, and I've been writing. Right. But I, I was I kind of came to an indecisive point about what I wanted to do studio wise next, just in every way, shape or form, because I've made a I've made a bunch of records at this point, And I sort of just uh, I'm still trying to find how I want to record. I want to do something different. And I'm not sure if I want to do just a full EP or album project or maybe roll out some singles. Yeah. But first things first, I had some material that I wrote, lived with it for a while, wasn't happy with, went back to the drawing board. So, yeah, it's been a slower process than usual. Uh, for me to get this together, but there is definitely new music on the horizon. I have a few songs that I've been playing live that I'm excited for. I'm just still trying to figure out how I want to record this time, uh, just because the way of people receive music and release music now just is, there's really no set uh, approach to it anymore. You know, do you do a few singles and then do you come with an EP or an album? Like, how do you roll it out? There's no rules anymore. Uh, so what I'll probably do is early next year, hopefully have a new single or two and then see where that goes, maybe build to an EP or possibly even a full-length album. But to me, it's like the songs have to guide it until I'm happy with and excited about material that I want to record. You know, I'm, I don't feel like it's smart to go into the studio until you're really excited about the material, but I'm getting to that point. So, so next year, it's been a minute, but next year, uh, you know, there should be some new music coming in. You know, for all of us, most of us musicians, we were off the road for about a year and a half, yeah. uh, you know, through that good first year and a half of the pandemic. So it's been nice this past year or so to get back out there, play shows. And that kind of eventually like has started to reinvigorate me towards the writing and recording part of it. Do we get to hear a sneak peek, maybe like a little, little bit, uh, a few uh, lines from any of your new songs? Um, let's see. I don't have my guitar handy here. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe just hum it out for us. Like if, okay. I'll give you, I'll give you a little, uh, I'll give you a little piece of this one song that I've been playing. Yeah, um, yeah. Go for it. Uh, it's called Won't Be Easy. Mm -hmm. mm, hey there, baby, put your hand in mine. Mm, 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 mm. We can take it one day at a time. 
and it won't be easy. It won't be easy, yeah. But we'll get back where we started, back where we started from, even though it won't be easy. Lovely, little, man. Little you just, there. <laughs> just got me goosebumps, man. <laughs> oh, man, right on. <laughs> that's a good sign. Easy. Thank you. That means uh, yeah, yeah. it's a good test for the tune. And I'll say one thing, because like the way, way my setup is, like we, yeah. we've mentioned before, it's not great for the guitar. It'll sound very tinny. I get it. That's all right. Um, but, uh, but I'll say this, though. In my opinion, a lot of the best songs hold up just for it, just acapella. Like if there's a good melody construction... Ooh. Yep. So it's good to get your feedback that you like that one. So, yeah, yeah. and uh, I was sort of trying to hum some of the parts that I hear there. Like that's a song right here, strings. And, um, you know, that's the first verse and chorus. There's another verse, kind of a bigger uh, chorus bridge. So that's a little sneak peek, but, uh, you know, hopefully you hear the full record that I'm envisioning uh, sometime early next year. So I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> Looking forward to it. We'd, we'd love to have like an Indian exclusive premiere for your uh, all new album and i'd love to have you on the interview that would be great well. man let's do it let's do it <laughs> let's do that. since we're on the topic of uh, being mootloo uh <laughs> you, you sing certain songs with this great quality where you almost lovingly have like this caressing voice where you feel the words that you're singing how conscious a process is that for you well that's a great question that I think for me, the more I'm thinking, the less the vibe is happening. Okay. You know, like, I think you put in the work writing yeah. and, uh, you know, maybe rehearsing before a tour, before you do a show. But w- once you're in the performance mode, I think you have to lose yourself in it. If there's any conscious thought going, like the, the mechanics of it, the, the lyrics, the melody, that, that should be second nature by then. And I think the magic happens when you're no lo- longer thinking of it. There's no like mental analysis, internal mental an- analysis, and you're losing yourself in what you're singing and what you're saying at the, in the lyrics. And I think that's, that's what, when, when you perform live and it makes a really deep connection, I think that's what people are responding to. Uh, so to kind of almost like transcend beyond any kind of, you know, doubts or mental thoughts or analysis in your brain and just to be in the moment and sing, that that is a uh, once you get to that point or once i get to that point then i know i'm really i'm really connecting to a song in a special kind of way obviously uh you did mention that you've been a long time collaborator with Amos Lee and you've mm-hmm. uh, you've you've done like live shows with him on several many occasions and i stumbled upon a couple of shows online where you played a duo set together just the two of y'all Right. So I was blown away by the subtlety, the elegance, and the intricacy of the conversation that the two of you all were having through this process. And I'm wondering, what do you think about this particular duo format that offers tremendous freedom, but also there's this reliance and this, there's this interdependence with the two of you? Right? So could you tell us a little bit about this bond in particular and about this act that you're trying to pull off with, with uh, Amos Lee? Yeah, well, Amos is my uh, musical brother. You know, I came up playing with him. Mm-hmm. When I first started playing around Philadelphia, he's also from Philadelphia. That's how we met. Got I was it. playing around the music scene. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just, as soon as we met, we had a connection musically. We liked a lot of the same artists. Uh, early 90s, R&B, Bill Withers. There were so many musical connection points. Yeah. And we just hit it off and started playing. First it was at open mics, then doing shows locally. And then when he started, uh, you know, really hit nationally and internationally, he started bringing me on tour with him. Right. At this point, I probably, I've done hundreds of shows with him. <laughs> and our musical connection on stage is almost second, is almost second nature at this point. Because I've, I've mainly toured with him as his opening act over the years. That's like what I'm doing with these shows coming up. I was also in his band for a few years, but mostly toured as his opening act. Uh, but anytime I'm on a show with him, we always do a song or two together. Yeah. And we've yeah. done some acoustic tours. Like, I think that's the one you're mentioning. We've done some that's right. shows that are just the two of us. Yeah. And uh, I think that's just a byproduct of us being on the same wavelength musically, loving a lot of the same kind of artists, having the same sensibility, and then having performed together hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. When we're on stage, we just have fun. And it's it's almost, like I said, second nature, the back and forth. And 
you know, we love R&B music, but there's a kind of a note of like absurdity in it too. Like when we do songs like Caramel or some of the other songs we've done, <laughs> yeah. uh, there was a point where I used to come out in this white suit on his shows and yeah, as I've a soul that. angel. And yeah. Yeah. so it's like music, but it's like, there's a, there's a performance aspect to it too. There's a comedic aspect to it. Right. And uh, we just have, you know, so much fun with it all the time. So it's like, that's what music is about is if you're up there having fun, that that's kind of like infectious, you know? Totally. Yeah, the two of you all should also consider coming out of India because we have a huge talent pool of singer-songwriters who would love your music. Man, I would love to. I'm going to talk to them about that. Please do that. <laughs> hey, look, we yeah. got to get this together because, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, I mean, I would love to travel there uh, to perform, but just to absorb the, yeah. the culture and the music and the history. There's so much in India that, I mean... You know, I don't think we're, we have some exposure in the West, but not the full exposure of really absorbing everything that's there. And you had sent me the one group, uh, I, I'm forgetting their name now, but that was a really cool track. The, the Easy Wanderlings. Yeah. Yes, yes, that was great, man. And uh, yeah. it's cool that like, there's a, there's a sound and a vibe that's kind of connected to what we're doing here. Right. Uh, so yeah, hopefully we can get that together because I'd, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to yeah. They, they are in fact looking at a tour sometime next year and. Uh, all of Europe and UK. So, oh wow! Yeah, we should we should probably get in touch because they were looking at a couple of opportunities out there. Uh, so you might Absolutely. know better. So you might be able to give give us a few inputs. So I'm kind of helping them out with this tour, this initiative for next year. Is this their first time touring outside of India? They were supposed to play at the SXSW festival back in 2020, and okay. because of the pandemic, they couldn't make it. And it was so unfortunate for them. Yeah. Not. To not have made made it but yeah we were really looking forward to make this europe uk thing fall in place very soon that's awesome man well keep me posted keep me posted yeah, on that for sure. <laughs> since we're in the topic of performance right? so if we had to speak about the context of performance it has always kept evolving right and and, and it's transcended over centuries now and uh, if we notice even the cultural aspect of things keep changing People have varied tastes in terms of music these days. And uh, speaking of uh, musicians in general, they've got a PR team that takes, takes care of their promotions. And then, like we spoke of earlier, there is a certain amount of pressure from a record label when you need to deliver, right? And a lot of these things, a lot of these things that keep happening. There are a whole range of issues that demand attention. So do you resent that sometimes? Yeah, you know, the, that's a great question because, you know, there's music over here and there's commerce over here. Right. And those things clash sometimes. Uh, even it's daunting at times because right. there's so much that goes into the business and the industry side of it that can be very frustrating and also even worse in some ways distracting, you know even like with social media and that, that there's the industry over here, but then there's like the, the social media side of it. It's fun. It's good to like get your, your music out there and be present and connect your fans that way. But if you give too much of your create like time and energy and bandwidth to the business and social media and all these outside things, it does eventually eat away your time. That sacred place of finding uh, your, you know, getting into the creative zone and just, being in that mindset and putting your energy towards that. So I think a lot of artists deal with this. I do too. How do you, how do you balance like the industry, the marketing, the promotion, social media, all this outside noise that we're all dealing with all the time. And how do you kind of switch that off sometimes so that you can get to the heart of really why you're doing this in the first place, right? Which is creating. And uh, I, I, that's very challenging. I, I, I'll be honest. That, that, that's a good question. And I imagine Many artists would probably say the same thing is to balance those things. It's, it's, it's extremely challenging. And now more than ever, I, because I think social media is a big part of that constant yeah. distraction. You know, we're all constantly on our phones, you know? We have a lot of uh, viewers from India and the rest of the world. And they're keen in understanding certain anecdotes from your touring experience with Holland Oats. And, and, and I'll, I want to personally know the first uh, ever experience being on the Daryl's House Club show. What was it like? Well, I'll take it a step further back now. The way I met Daryl and John was through T-Bone Walk. 
oh. uh, who was a legendary musician, yeah. songwriter, yeah. you know, T-Bone. So yeah. T-Bone was a great friend and mentor to me. He produced my first album right. and uh, he was in the Hall Notes band for a long time. He worked with them in the studio. Uh, so sadly passed away in 2010 yeah. but uh, unfortunately. the viewers that may not be familiar with t-bone check him out because he's a legend and yeah, yeah, yeah. that was how i first met daryl uh was through t-bone and i think t-bone we were working on the record and t-bone played him a couple of the tracks and he really liked it yeah. and he came in and sang on the album now at the time that he sang on my album on the track see what it brings which is on living it he was just starting live from daryl's house they hadn't even recorded <laughs> the first episode yet right. so that was like very serendipitous cosmic timing he came in the studio we really hit it off we you know we connected on philly and you know he, he grew up in philly as well and right. again same a lot of the same like kind of artists and bands that we love and he sang on the record we had a great time in the studio and uh you know that moment that was incredible because it's like one of my heroes now he's in here singing on my record that was just a, a surreal amazing experience but at that moment he was just getting ready to launch Live from Daryl's house. And I remember him breaking down his vision for it, what he wanted to do with it, uh, sort of create this like environment where artists could come in and collaborate and legendary artists, newer artists like myself. And he had the vision for it from day one. And when they got that thing off the ground, uh, you know, he invited me to be one of the first guests on there. Now, the, the first episode I was on was actually in Austin, Texas. It wasn't recorded at the regular studio got it. Uh, because that's a big music conference, you know, South by Southwest. So for the one I was on, it was a split episode with me and Chuck Prophet. I think it was episode seven. It was early on. And uh, for my segment of it, they recreated the set of Daryl's house. And we played the songs. And then we did a live version of it, like a live performance in Austin, Texas, Mm -hmm. to kind of help promote it. And then a while later, I think the first tour I did with Daryl was also to promote live from Daryl's house. But it, it was an amazing experience because just to be in the room with Daryl and these incredible musicians that he put together, most of them in the Hall Notes band, um, was just sort of uh, surreal for a guy like me who's just, you know, I've heard of all these musicians. They've all played on big records. I've, right. I've seen them, you know, even meeting T-Bone. T-Bone played on Saturday Night Live here and, and right. worked on so many big records. So that was a real learning experience for me. And uh, I was just really grateful for how, you know, Daryl kind of took me under his wing. Daryl and T-Bone and eventually, once I started to open more and more shows for them, they started inviting me out on the road. That's how I met John. And uh, it's just an incredible experience. But I would say Live from Daryl's House was right at the cornerstone of my initial connection to him because at the time we met, he was just getting it off the ground. That's been incredible to see, uh, you know, what's happened with it. And then it all came full circle later when Amos went on the show <laughs> and they invited me to come on and do Caramel at the end of it. So that yeah. was just a beautiful, serendipitous connection, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah. With my musical family of sorts, you know. I think I think that's how I sort of, you know, got to know about your music in particular. And and that particular episode was, I don't know, it, it kind of like made me play these songs on repeat. And <laughs> I was very interested in talking to you because I'd never heard of your music, unfortunately, before that. Right. And and the and the house club episode kind of made me discover you as an artist and yeah i've been i've been following your music ever since right on well that that's you know yeah that's just an amazing thing to me you know right, that uh right. and i've heard a lot of people say that they discovered me yeah either you know see me on tour with hall notes or right. amos uh right. or from that performance right. or from live from daryl's house uh, right. Right. and i think that was the other vision that daryl had of it was that this was an opportunity to give some lesser known artists like myself like some exposure Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm just grateful to work with those guys uh, over all these years because, yeah. you know, when you're an independent artist, you know, you need opportunities to get out there and get heard. And when bigger artists come along and, and give you a shot and then you build this relationship with them, uh, that's how people discover you. So example, like if I hadn't been on Daryl's house, we hadn't done Caramel on Daryl's house, the Amos and Daryl, we might not be sitting here, but because we had that opportunity, you know, that's yeah. the beauty of uh, musical collaboration. It can lead to a lot of different things. Yeah, but some things are just meant to be, you know. Yeah, <laughs> all of you absolutely getting together. That was that was as written in the stars. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hundred <laughs> percent. But but why aren't they releasing more episodes lately? Well, I think uh, I think they're just now starting to get more episodes going. I believe there will right. be more. Uh, I'm right. not sure the exact timeline, 
Uh, I think that at this point they'd already re- recorded like over 80 episodes or something like that. Right. right. Uh, and I know they've taken a little bit of a break. I, I think the pandemic just did this to everybody. Yeah. It just sucks. for a few years, it just kind of derailed everything. I've seen it on every level of the business. Yeah. I think we're all just kind of starting to like come out of it and get back. Yeah. But I do believe there will be more episodes on the horizon. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to Absolutely. more good music. <laughs> it's a great show. It's a great yeah. show. I mean, that's yeah. the thing in, uh, You know, it was cool to see how that show took off and then it tour simultaneously with Hall Notes and see them sort of connect to a younger audience. Because I, I experienced that with them firsthand on tour from about, I would say, 2010 to 2015. Daryl's House became a popular show. And then I would go on tour and gradually the venues got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and at more of the shows, I would see, uh, you know, a broader audience, you know, that I started to see a younger audience showing up to the gigs. And they're one of those bands that's done the rare thing of, you know, transcending generation. They have appeal beyond their generation. And if you can do that as an artist and endure in that way, uh, that's that's amazing. And I kind of watched that unfold sort of firsthand. So, but I think a big part of that was Live from Daryl's House. Wonderful. We're living in a in a material world and, and people tend to be utilitarian these days. And people are investing in art from what, what I see, right? In the form of NFTs, several other digital assets and they're investing mostly in the sense of investment and not necessarily uh, their response to art. Right? So in your opinion, I'd like to understand what is the value of art and that of artistic processes and why should the community invest in art? Yeah, I think that's a challenge, you know, how to, because How to, how to monetize, how to make a career out of this thing. And there's a lot of different ways. Unfortunately, there are things that have devalued it in some way. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, once it stopped being a tactile thing, like albums, CDs, vinyl, that immediately going to the digital space was necessary, but it sort of devalued it in some way. And not to right. say that artists ever made a ton of money on recordings, especially if they were on labels, but it's sort of, There used to be a thing where like, if you wanted a record, you went to the store and that was a whole experience. You got in your car, you went to the store, you went and picked it up, you, you held the CD or the vinyl. Now it's a click away. Anything you ever want to hear is a click away. So just by virtue of how the technology shifted, I think that changed the value of records in people's minds. But I don't think the actual creative process behind it is any less valuable because music is so important to every aspect of our lives. You know, it's everywhere all the time. It's ubiquitous. But that's a challenge for a lot of artists, especially independent artists. How do you take what you're doing creative, creatively and, and create value out of it when the sort of industry at large or the way that people consume the music is not always giving it the value it deserves? For me, it's been touring. Like, if you can get on tour and play shows and sell merch and do all that, that's the most, that to me is the direct human connection, you know, to be in the room and, play to people firsthand. And it's also a great way to generate revenue, especially if you, you know, get t-shirts and other merch items together. But it's a challenge, especially for indie artists to figure out, like, especially in a digital world, like where does the value lie? It can be film placements, television placements, but those, are, those aren't easy. It, it's a struggle. And I think we're kind of in a weird limbo right now where we're all trying to figure that out, you know? But have you, have you taken... Uh, your first step towards things like NFT uh, or knowing about these digital assets? I, I have not. I probably should. I'm one of those guys who's, <laughs> I'm not like the most tech savvy guy. I'm the first one to admit it, you know, but uh, mm-hmm. I've seen some other artists I know doing it and it's probably, there's value in that, for example, right. you know, right. that's, that's one place, but I think it's still, I think it's still in the early stages. So right. uh You, you know, for me, I'm still trying to figure out like the digital landscape or the new landscape. Uh, on the one hand, independently, there's so much more you can do than before. You're not constrained by things, right. but there's also a million people doing it. So how do you how do you carve out your own place that that generates constant value? I understand that in the touring side of it. I don't think I understand it quite as well on the digital asset side of it. But you know, there's always room to learn. So <laughs> you, you figure it out as you go. I'm sure you'll figure it out pretty smart. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> In this process of creating music and catharsis, 
what is it that keeps a musician in you going is there a particular goal that you're driven towards is there a point reached when the catharsis is complete for someone like you what is it that keeps you going and is there a destination or is this just the journey that you're looking for so there is some stake of completeness that any musician or any artist would want at a certain point do you have one oh that's that's a good question i think it's more for me about the process of it mm-hmm. but also building something building an audience building a right. community right. connecting to people i think the thing that keeps me going uh is the performance side of it and being able to be in a room whether it's a small club or yeah. i get an opening shot you know opening slot in front of you know thousands of people whatever it might be big venues yeah. small venues the thing of connecting to people directly that's the driving force for me uh you know that's what that moment when you have when you're playing a good show and people are connecting to you and there's that special something that happens back and forth between the artist and the audience that's my favorite part of it that is what makes it that's the silver lining that's what makes it all worth it with all the trials and tribulations and challenges of the business because that can if you fall too if you come to that too much or get too caught up in that it can really take away your joy you don't want ever you don't ever want your joy to be taken away with what you're doing so i think to me it's if there's a long term goal keep building audience building a community uh you know just being able to contribute something to people with whatever they're going through in those couple hours at a show or if they're listening to my record like maybe something i'm doing can uplift them a little bit or they can connect to it in some way uh you know i've had people when people say that about one of my songs like uh that it meant something to them or it it had value in their life or got them through a difficult time whatever it might be that's the greatest reward of all because deep down i think that's why we're doing it, is to make that connection lovely i think that's a lovely way uh you articulated it especially when you said that you know uh you can do it out of like sheer joy and right. it's it's a blissful process and you're not aiming at a particular motive behind it you're just doing it because of the sheer passion that you associate with it which is quite commendable absolutely it's just you're chasing yeah. that feeling and that feeling right. is special so right. Right. that's at the core of it if you can strip everything away i think that's yeah. that's the core dna of what makes music great you know right I think all of us are in it for the passion at least uh, you know this entire podcast is all about that right I've I've had my producer uh, you know who's who's been with me through thick and thin uh, yeah to get to get this show going and uh, you know despite the other stuff that we do right we've got day jobs and he's got like academics and stuff like that but at the end of the day we're just doing this for the passion of it and for connecting and learning more about music from people like you right so that adds a, a lot of value thing. yeah yeah that's a beautiful thing and i think it's incredible like we were saying at the beginning like you're halfway around the world from me right uh you know many time zones away right and because of our shared interest yeah shared passion we have and love we have for music yeah. we're having a conversation right now i mean and right. that's the part where you have to say technology has has helped us reach each other in a way that we couldn't before. Uh 25 years ago it would be tougher to do something like this. For sure. So, but I think that's like music is about community. It's a global community. Correct. And uh moments like this make me realize that that you know there's a global community that loves music and it means something in their lo- in in all of our lives and and if we can connect in this way, yeah. The industry and the business and all that is secondary because this is kind of this this is the kind of thing. This is what it's about, you know. in terms of the external environment we you spoke about as you rightly said you spoke a lot about globalization glamour social media short attention spans what kind of future do you see for yourself as a singer songwriter well <laughs> it's uh that's another great question man i you make me think about things in a different way this is good it's good to like <laughs> come at some of the day-to-day experiences from a different angle I think for me on the one hand I do enjoy the instantaneous aspect of like social media and there is this sort of like <laughs> this sort of immediacy of like I get an idea to do a song or a cover or something mm-hmm. even just if it's 30 seconds a cappella and I can put it out there and it 
you know, it gets to people. To whoever it reaches, it reaches, but it gets to people. But the, the only concern I have with it is I think this is a trend I've seen more and more is that uh, there doesn't always seem to be the same artist loyalty uh, because we're consuming so much media all the time. I think we're all falling victim to that in that when, you, when there's such a constant barrage of things that you're content that you're engaging with, I think it's harder for artists to necessarily get loyalty on an artist level. People are interested in the songs or in that moment, but longevity, I think, is is more of a challenge. So I think for me to figure out how to live, navigate this world we're in, but to still build the kind of uh, audience or the kind of community that's going to have longevity to it, because everything is so instantaneous right now. Right. And I think there's a lot that's that's good about that, too. Uh, again, the immediacy of just, hey, I want to put this out there, I put it out there, but it's a double-edged sword. So hopefully, hopefully over time, there's a way to give artists more of an opportunity to kind of transcend beyond that, those immediate like little clips and all that, and to build a connection with fans that's a little more long-lasting. I don't know what that would look like mm-hmm. in this era, other than just going out and playing shows and building them that way, but um, that, that's where I'm hoping to get to, is to find that sweet spot between the two. But you do see you do see a bright future, right? Yeah, I do. I try to. I, I mean, there are some days where I don't. I'll be honest, cause <laughs> I, <laughs> I just because of the state of the world as it is, and the, and how rough the business can be sometimes. But uh, but yes, I do on the whole because I think no matter what, no matter what the medium, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think quality and 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 just great songs and great art, it always transcends. It finds a way. Even if it's being pushed back or submerged for a while, it always kind of rises up. So yeah, on the whole, philosophically, all the way, a bright future indeed. <laughs> Hoping for the best. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> You've been fettered with applause by musicians such as Daryl Hall, John Oates, and many more. What kind of applause matters to you the most? And what kind of applause do you give yourself at this point? Well, I think to... to uh, gain the respect of or the appreciation of uh, people like Daryl and John and, uh, and Amos and all these incredible artists that I've worked with that there are a few things that are as rewarding as that, you know, because uh, if you admire someone's work and what they've done is connected with you and resonate with you and, and your work is not doing the same thing for them uh, that, that gives you confidence that encourages you that, that makes you realize that, you know, maybe you can do that for someone else. Uh, If someone else is coming up and they're trying to figure it out, you know, yeah. there's value in, in trying to show appreciation to other artists and what they do. And to me, that's meant a lot to gain the respect of more established acts and people that I admire. Um, again, what's, we're talking about the things that really keep you in it, keep you going. Uh, that's most certainly one of them. And I think that's an important part of your process. If you, if you get to people whose work is connected with you and you connect with them, uh, that's one of the things that will, to keep all the negativity away from you keep you pos- focused on the joy on the positives you know got it uh, our planet seems to move inexorably towards environmental disasters towards war that we saw between ukraine and russia and uh, chaos right if i were to put it so where can this impetus to change come from for any human being and Where can we bridge our own aspirations, possibly our own cultivation of mindfulness through music to what's happening on the larger planet? How can we leverage I that? Think, I think music, uh, there's a few things that I think can break through all those barriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we, you talk about war, political division, I mean, not just here in the States. I think, I'm sure you experienced it in India, like globally, yeah, yeah. there's more political division than we've probably ever seen. in our lifetimes. And there's a lot about, uh, I, I care about politics. I'm pa- passionate about it, but on uh, by the same token, I see the pitfalls of it because there's so much about it. That's this us and them mentality, us against them, you know, yeah. divide, yeah. you know, yeah. this is us over here. This is you over there. And there are a lot of forces like that in the world that are trying to pull, you pit us against each other and pull us apart. And music is one of the things that can break right through that. You know, uh, it can transcend that those divisions, those societal divisions, those cultural divisions, those political divisions. It's a powerful force. I'm not sure there's anything else like it. 
And if there's something that's going to save us <laughs> in the end from ruin, I think music will be one of the things that will do it because, you know, I can be at a show, I can be performing, knowing full well that there's probably people in the audience that I don't agree with politically. But in that moment, if, if we're connecting to each other through song, that right there is a win. That's a, that's, that, that shows you firsthand that this medium of, of songs and performance can, can get us past some of those barriers. And hopefully, hopefully it, it, it wins out over all these other destructive forces around us. But it's not the only thing, but I think it's one of the most important things that might save us in the end from, from you know, climate disaster, from, from never-ending wars, from, from all this division we're dealing with and all the turmoil we're doing. Lovely. Let's get to the interesting segment of this entire program, which is called the rapid fire round. And <laughs> this is the fun round where I'll be shooting some interesting questions and you can, uh, you don't, you don't have much time to think. You've got to be very spontaneous with your answers. Sounds good. All right. The first question for you, Mootlu. Uh, what is that one song that always makes you cry? Yesterday by the Beatles. Beatles. On the contrary, what is your favorite guilty pleasure song? Uh, is it the song Toxic by Britney Spears? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. That one. I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I hear that one. I'm cracking it up. <laughs> <laughs> what are the top five must-haves for any singer-songwriter while touring? Okay, well, sleep. Mm-hmm. I know that's not say something that you have to have, but sleep. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound ridiculous, but sleep, hydration, nourishment, uh, good positive energy surrounding you, mm-hmm. and people that you enjoy working with you around you. If you have those five things, all the exhaustion of travel and everything else that might come up, it's a force field against those things. So I would say sleep, hydration, nourishment, positive energy, good people around you. That's it. <laughs> if you had the opportunity to put together an all-star Philly soul band, who'd be in it? Oh, wow. Man, okay. Well, I got to put my musical brothers, my musical family, Amos, Daryl Hall, John Oates first. Yeah. Uh, where do we go from here? The Roots. Mm-hmm. Got to put The Roots in there. Right. If we're going back in the day, Gamble and Huff, Tom Bell, uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, Teddy, Teddy Pendergrass. The Spinners. Oh, man, there's so many I'm going to end up forgetting, but I'm trying to go through the list. <laughs> what about the Bacon Brothers? Yeah, the Bacon Brothers. Yeah, they've been doing their thing. I, a lot of people know Kevin Bacon is actor, but they've had their thing going with the band. Yeah, yeah. put them in there. Right. Uh, there's, there's so many more I'm not going to be able to think of, but I think that initial list I had is, is a good <laughs> one right there. <laughs> Apart from music, if you had the opportunity to take up another career alternative what might that be it would probably be writing in some shape or form something between writing and 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 politics i've actually thought about at times that i want to run for office uh but then i realized that's a little heavy it's a bit of a more there's elements of it that i probably won't like that much or that i won't find productive so either writing and or politics i think what are some of the causes that you might want to contribute towards apart from music? Uh, well, I'll take this moment to, to promote something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's gone internationally, but it's called Musicians on Call. Mm-hmm. It's a program that Amos and I have been involved with for a long time where you, you go to hospitals and you, you perform for people who are sick. Oh, wow. And uh, it's in about, uh, it started in New York, then Philly. And there's a great radio station here in Philadelphia called WXPN that really helped launch it in this area. Mm-hmm. And I think it's in about 12 different cities now okay. across the country. So uh, that's a, a, a cause, a program that I really believe in. We talk about how music can connect to people or can heal people. Yeah. That's what this is all about. You know, you go and perform for people who are in a difficult spot. Uh, so that would be the first thing always that come to mind. Musicians on call. And uh, yeah, check it out if you get a chance. It's a, it's a great program. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's online? It's, it's, it's on YouTube? Yeah, you can find it at musiciansoncall.org. Okay. Got Again, it. I think it's only in the States, but who knows? It's grown and grown and grown. So maybe over time, it'll, yep. it'll go international, hopefully. Or maybe there'll be another version of it, something similar. 
Maybe we uh, can have an Indian we, wing of it. We can have some Indian yeah. singer-songwriters do something like that. That know? would be phenomenal. They have a very good system. You kind of have a guy that takes you around. Like, you usually take one floor of a hospital. Okay. Person kind of goes in just to check with the patient, see if they're okay, and say, hey, can we play your song? You go in and play a tune, and you, you'd be amazed at how it, yeah, it yeah. brightens people's day just for those few minutes. And it's not always just the patient. Sometimes it's their family, too. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, that's an amazing program. That, that uplifts the entire atmosphere of a hospital. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think, I think, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's, it's, uh, if there's anyone, I talk about things that are like most rewarding as far as being a musician. I think taking part in that program has been one of the most rewarding things, you know? What's your favorite cuisine? Well, you know what? This is maybe going to seem, I'll have to put Indian cuisine right at the top. <laughs> I was looking for that. <laughs> We have a great place, like right near us. We order from there all the time. Okay. I, mean, I like all different kinds of foods, but uh, but I, I that's one of the things. If I get to travel to India, that I, I'd be excited yeah, yeah. for is the uh, <laughs> is the cuisine because uh, I just I love it. It's, it's it's if it's not number one, then it's it's top three for sure. Got it. I have one last question for you in the interest of time. Uh, down in the distant horizon, what would you want to be remembered as? Just someone who helped uplift people in some shape or form. Mm -hmm. Someone who, uh, you know, who did something that mattered, I guess. I guess we all want that kind of relevancy. But someone who, uh, with, through music and through whatever I've done, whatever I put out there in the world, has, uh, has connected with people and maybe improved their lives even a little bit. If, if, I, if people could say that about me, then I, would, I think that would be, you know, I would feel proud of that. That would be something very meaningful to me. I'm sure I'm sure you've uh, you've made a difference to so many out there and we'd love to have you in India on 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 several other occasions and uh, you 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 will get a chance to make a difference to a lot of people in our country as well and I'm looking forward to something like that I'm I'm trying to bridge that and bring you here looking forward Man, to that yeah let's keep in touch and uh, I would love to come over there and uh yeah. Just to check it out, to perform, to do whatever, just to just to be, yep. just to be, you know, experience the culture, the music, the food, everything. So yep. hopefully we'll make that happen at some point. Let's we'll, make that we'll, happen. You put it out in the world, and then you know things yep. have a way of happening. You know, for sure. This interview will additionally be aired on Big FM, Shillong, and Azal, two incredible radio stations in the northeastern part of India, and right it is going to be streaming on iHeartRadio, Spotify. And all the major st streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, whatnot. Uh, it's going to be called Stalwarts of Music with Aditya Veera. And I'll be sure to send you the episode once we've got that produced and we've, we've put it out. So I'll be Excellent. sure to share these links with you and you can share it with your fans. and Yeah, I'd love for people to hear this and uh, just to get it out there. I mean, this is good. I think we covered some really, yeah. really interesting topics. And, uh, you know, we went to kind of a philosophical place on this one. I like it. <laughs> right, right. But before we conclude, I'd like you to conclude this interview with a musical note. Sure. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do a little snippet of a Stevie Wonder song. Yeah, go for it. Uh, because this is, um, this is from, this is a song called Love's in Need of Love Today. Mm -hmm. And it's from, uh, it's the first track on Songs in the Key of Life. And we were talking about the state of the world and everything going on. And I think this song gets right to the heart of what we need. It's a, the title says it loves and need to love today. So I figured it'd be a good one to close it out. Do a little acapella of it here. Right on. Good morning or evening, friends. Here's your friendly announcer. I have serious news to pass on to everybody. What I'm about to say could mean the world's disaster, could turn your joy and laughter to tears and pain. Is that love's in need of love today? Don't delay, say yours and right away. Don't you know hate's going round, breaking many hearts. Stop it, 
before it's gone too far. Lovely. Thank you so much for that. Uh, it's you, been man. a total honor and a privilege to have you on my show. And please do stay in touch. I'd love to host you in my country, show you around. And uh, hopefully we do something together very yes. soon. That would be great, man. We'll, we'll stay dialed in and uh, many more good things to come. So thank you. This has really been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thank you, Moslu. Take care. Bye-bye.